the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. Got a treat for you at the bottom of the hour, the great Mark Levin. They call him the great one, don't they, over on Fox. Mark Levin has a brand new book out, The Democrat Party Hates America, and he'll join us for a few segments uh, in about uh, 15 or so minutes. Uh, David, you were asking me if I liked Eric Clapton. Is that because you're working on bumper music and adding? We had we used to have some Eric Clapton. Yes, we did used to have some Eric Next Clapton. time you see her, yeah. Are we jive. going to continue to have some Eric Clapton music? I li- yeah, why not? Well, I just heard that he endorsed RFK Jr. for president. Oh, 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 oh. That's why you were asking. Well, okay, so this is a obviously perennial issue. If we're gonna if we're going to excise and prescind every musician who supports a Democrat, we're gonna have a, a very a very small sample with which to play bumper music. I know. It it hurts my heart that I that you I can't must, even uh, rely on country anymore. I know. Isn't that the uh, yeah, it hurts yeah. my heart that I must sit through an enjoyable Simon and Garfunkel album, and know that they were McGovernites. Yeah, um, so we can't make judgments like that. Um, and this actually reminds me of something Mr. Bill was saying to me the other day regarding. I'm glad you brought up Robert Kennedy. I wanted to get to this. Um, so yes, uh, hand jive. Next time you see her, those would be great. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, Mr. Bill was making the point. What was he making it in re- reference to? Yes, he was making it in reference to all the uh, all the noise about uh, Russell Brand, and he was saying, you know, there's this thing in our movement. He said, "Isn't there?" Where the moment one celebrity says one thing conservative, we rush just a little too quickly to embrace them, and. Um, He's not wrong about that. I, I have issued those concerns about a few different people, and, I, I'm, and, and it's not always just one, but they usually start with one. And as it turns out, COVID did a big number on turning a lot of people to at least affiliate or associate with the kinds of things conservatives or at least libertarianism within the conservative movement was trying to say. Russell Brand certainly was one of them, and there have been some others. It would include Robert Kennedy, though not a conservative. It is a, it is a worthwhile cautionary note, though, that Mr. Bill makes, which is go slowly, go slowly. They may come to us. It won't be rapidly. And, you know, you can't do these baptisms by fire because you will be setting yourself up to be disappointed. Um, just because someone might be attractive or might be well spoken, take your time with them. You know, when 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 people leave the plantation of liberalism or left wingism, uh, it, it's usually over one issue, and then what they find 
And this is a good message for all of us who evangelize conservatism, and we should always be evangelizing conservatism. It's a good thing to keep in mind. They usually come over or open their eyes to us on one issue, and then slowly and surely uh, they'll find that, you know, maybe they're not as kooky as I've been led to believe all along. Maybe there is a brain there. Maybe there is a point of view there worth exploring on another issue I feel strongly about from the left. Maybe I've never been exposed to a conservative point of view. This is what happened to me. This is what happens with most conservative conversion stories. You start on one, and then slowly you realize, yeah, they may have some point on another thing here and there too. I I noticed a lot of this during COVID when I was interviewing a lot of literary types, a lot of authors— and uh, I was, who got very angry about the school closings and got very angry about the paternalism and got very angry about the orders for their children, which they didn't think were the right thing or the healthy thing to do. I could name any number of them. One of them, uh, one of the best was Ann Bauer. You saw this with Jennifer Say over at Levi's. Robert Kennedy certainly had long opposition to the kinds of things that were done with COVID, particularly when it came to vaccines, because he's been on the vaccine. I think that was the issue yeah, that brought Eric yeah. Clapton into his camp. Yeah, well, he's been on the vaccine thing for a long time. And yet, let's 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 take it easy here. <laughs> he's not our guy. He's not a conservative. Um, in fact, John Hinderocker had a piece yesterday. I had it in my tab. Let me see if I can find it. RFK Jr. is a crazy left winger. So so what you will get, to Mr. Bill's point, whether about it's any of these people, and what we have, I think, even had entertained from our listeners calling in from time to time is, you know, wouldn't a something RFK Jr. ticket be great? Wouldn't a Trump-Robert Kennedy ticket be great? No. No, it would not be. We still have principles we believe in, and um, and, and, and and those principles matter. So John Hinderocker wrote, RFK Jr. is a crazy left winger. That's the title of his post. I think he's absolutely right. Some conservatives have an unreasonably positive view of Robert Kennedy Jr. based on the fact that he sounds sensible on two or three issues. But in fact, he is nuts, as manifested most grotesquely in his conviction that Sirhan Sirhan did not murder his father. And it is a conviction. I mean, this guy has testified... At parole hearings for Saran Saran, this guy has written op-eds declaring Saran Saran's innocence. I mean, all he has to do really is talk to Rosie Greer, who took the who took the gun from Saran Saran. Hinderocker writes: Beyond that, he is on the large majority of issues an unreconstructed far left winger. Take fracking, as my colleague Isaac Orr points out, Kennedy wants to ban fracking, which would be a disaster. On Friday, September 15th, 2023, RFK Jr. wrote an editorial in The Hill outlining his 10-point plan to fix the plastics pollution crisis. John asks, what crisis is this? I would say we have a plastics littering problem, while Africa and Asia have a letting plastics flow into the ocean problem. But what Orr writes is that Kennedy's summary of this plan on Twitter shows he supports a ban on hydraulic Fracturing, which is the technology that made the United States the world's largest producer of oil and gas. Robert Kennedy tweets, among other things, I will strengthen closed-loop recycling systems. I will ban fracking, which provides the feedstock for most of the plastics produced in the United States. 
But hydraulic fracturing has been the most transformative energy technology of the 21st century, and banning it would be the worst energy policy imaginable because it would cause oil and natural gas prices to skyrocket. For decades, American natural gas production was falling or stagnant. However, that changed and began to change circa 2005. By 2022, U.S. natural gas drillers had nearly doubled total natural gas production in just 17 years. This increase in supply caused natural gas prices to plummet, reducing the cost of home heating and making it possible to use natural gas for electricity generation. Banning fracking would cause electricity prices to skyrocket. It's the same story for oil, because hydraulic fracturing more than doubled domestic oil production as fracking turned Texas, New Mexico, and North Dakota into major oil producers. Fracking is now responsible for 66% of the nation's oil production. All of the growth in U.S. oil production is due to hydraulic fracturing because conventional oil production has been steadily declining. Without fracking, oil prices would skyrocket to over $200 per barrel, barrel, and gasoline would cost $9 per gallon. That would be disastrous for working men and women, but barely an inconvenience for the rich and famous. So don't be fooled by Kennedy. He's just another leftist with awful policy ideas that he may be good on one or two things. Um, you know, we're not looking for the party of broken clocks where a broken clock can be right twice a day. That's not who we are. Now, if Robert Kennedy decides or if Marianne Williamson decides that they want to take a look at more of our policy platforms and come join us, so much the better. Marianne Williamson said four years ago that uh, she's never met more angry and mean people than on the left, and the right doesn't have the anger and meanness that she experienced on the left. Okay, still not enough for her to join us and not enough for RFK to join us, though it is interesting most of his appearances are on conservative podcasts and not liberal ones. They're afraid of him for a lot of reasons, and they're afraid of him, I think, because he does support us on a couple of issues on a couple of issues up with which the Democrats refuse to and cannot put. But it doesn't mean because he's good with us on two out of 100 that we should give up 98 of those positions to embrace him or anyone else for that matter. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Yeah, that's 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 a good one. I like that one. And also uh, Thunder Island. Why did we lose Thunder Island? We need to put Thunder Island back in. That wasn't Eric Clapton. I am well aware that wasn't. (laughs) Okay, I was a little concerned. I I am well aware. I am well aware. Thunder Island. It's not fall apart yet. Yeah, Thunder Thunder Island, Jay Ferguson. Yeah. Got it. We're going to look it up. Thank you. Um, What does your button say, by the way? (laughs) Adelaide and Estes. Adelaide and Estes. That would be Estes Key Falver, nineteen fifty six. That's right, Estes Key Falver, nineteen fifty six. Yeah. Estes Key Falver. He um, he was uh, Democrat, obviously in the Senate, and uh, he had those. Uh, he had the big hearings on corruption, didn't he? Yeah, the anti mafia yeah. hearings. Yeah, yes. yeah. I yeah. heard right. a lot about those growing up in Vegas. Yeah. Oh yeah, you would have. He traveled sure. around the country and. Uh, yeah, you can, yeah. You can watch videos. You know what's interesting about that? Um, we have Mark Levin coming up, and his book, "The Democrat Party Hates America." He does this. It's a tremendous history of the Democratic Party, and 
he goes into the Democratic Party, people from the South, uh, particularly the southern part of the Democratic Party where it had such a strong hold. Adelaide Stevenson was from the North, Illinois, right? Yes, so governor of Illinois. Yeah, different, different kind of outlook on things. But that southern part of the party, uh, led by people like Oral Faubus and Estes uh, Kefauver, and the guy who, who Sparkman, who ran with Stevenson four years before, yeah. also also a southerner. You know, these were these were you know rabid uh, segregationists, and um, there's this kind of alternative history that's taken hold that shows that all these people became Republicans. It's just not true. It's just it's just simply not true. And what Mark Levin does in his book is such a good job of showing the obsession with race that has so dominated the Democratic Party for so many years, starting obviously in the 1800s, but continuing throughout even to the progressive movement in the progressive era, uh, represented by the likes of Woodrow Wilson, and of course all those Southern Democrats. Um, there's a night, there's interesting, you can find this, you can doubt me, but it's there, you will find it, you will see... Even as recently as 1992, you will see Clinton Gore pins that were made that have the Confederate flag on them. I know. And you know how hard it is to even find them for a pin collection? Have you been looking? They've been absconded from history. Yeah, right? They've been memory holed because the Democratic Party does try and conceal this. And you know what that is an example of? What? If if there was a great switch from these Democratic Southerners to Republicans. Right. Then Al Gore Jr. would have been a Republican. Yeah, I mean, so yes, of course. So, so too would have George Wallace. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely right about that. Um, it just it didn't happen, and it's not true. And when you look, for example, at the same famous 1964 Civil Rights Act, um, it passed with a higher percentage of Republicans voting for it than Democrats. It wouldn't have passed without the Republican support, and the Republicans were in the vast majority of the House and Senate. Uh, now, it is true, Lyndon Johnson, Democrat, did uh, support it and did push for it as a matter of uh, pol- politics, but he, too, uh, was a latecomer to civil rights. He, too, was a supporter and believer in segregation. It's a curious thing. If you go back and look at uh, at some of Bill Clinton's old um, old speeches, how he would how he would uh, say support he supported people who were who were famous segregationists and he would talk about them as his great mentors in politics uh, in Arkansas and elsewhere whether it was Oral Faubus or or other people like that and anyway it's, I guarantee if you look hard enough you can find a picture of Bill Clinton and George Wallace sitting at the same table together because I have oh have you oh yeah and I'll show it to you yeah. oh have you now. Yeah, well, it's they, as they you did say, that. Yeah, as you say, campaign. if you look hard enough, these are examples of memory holing, which is interesting because you know they're doing it in real time now. They're doing it in real time now with regard to the whole abortion debate, whether it's Kristen Welker or Jen Psaki or now Governor Gavin Newsom or, for that matter, Kamala Harris. Denying that Democrats uh, support abortion up until the point, and in some cases even after the point of birth, for what was called an effective abortion. They deny all this. We have it all on recording. We have it all uh, available from the debates. We have it from the Born Alive Infant Protection Act vote in the Senate and in the House of Representatives. And if you listen 
to Gavin Newsom or Kamala Harris's most recent interviews this past week on this, they will not answer the question. They simple will no, simply will not answer the question. I don't have the audio in front of me. I was listening to it on Gallagher's show earlier today. And what does that tell you? It tells you something that we Republicans need to learn and learn well. When it comes to this, shall we say, allergy to the life issue, ask yourself if it's so uh, politically poisonous for the Republican Party, why are the Democrats the ones lying about their record on it? Why are the Democrats trying to memory hole and deep six their positions on it? If it's so bad for us, why does the Democratic Party feel it needs to lie? Because you will not find a Democrat on record in the vice president's office, in the president's office, in any governor's office, or almost any United States senator or member of the House of Representatives, with the exception of only one who happens to live in West Virginia, that will tell you a certain point beyond which they would not be comfortable supporting or politically supportive of a restriction on abortion. They will not do it. Why would they lie about that if it were so unpopular for us? Why would they? Because they're smart. They're smart. And though it may have been a Republican, Abraham Lincoln, who said you can't fool all the people all the time, the, De- the Democratic Party does think they can. They think they can because they have succeeded in doing it because they have a media. I give you as Exhibit 1 Kristen Welker of NBC and Meet the Press. That will help them do it. I give you the New York Times. That will help them do it. I give you the Washington Post. That will help them do it. How many newspapers tomorrow do you think will cover the embarrassing statements that Merrick Garland gave today at the House of Representatives? They won't. They will say democracy dies in darkness. But what they know is that the Democratic Party thrives in it. It thrives in it. And it... it, it, and, and you can see it all around if you are willing to look or if you are willing to do the research. Anyway, um, this is a party that, interestingly enough, has always been, as I started this segment with, always been obsessed with the race issue. And we'll talk to Mark Levin about that. It is a big part of his book, The Democrat Party Hates America. I think there's nothing so loathsome as using race for political purposes or exploiting race for public policy. And it has become a loathsome party. Mark and I will be right back. We'll talk about all of this. Don't go away. Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It is a privilege, honor, and delight to welcome back to the show Mark Levin. Mark R. Levin, you know him from his own show. You know him from Fox News. You know him as a best-selling author. And he has a brand spanking new book out, The Democrat Party Hates America. Mark, my old friend, welcome back. How are you, sir? I'm good, Seth. How are you, brother? I miss you. I miss those meals we used to have with Dr. Bennett. It's good to hear your voice. I used to get my steaks well done, a little ketchup on the side, and everybody crunched. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It's the worst thing I can say about you, Mark. It's the worst thing I can say about you. Congratulations on this book. I... um, I want to thank you for it. It's I, I've got it dog-eared. I've got underlined, particularly Chapter 3, which is a wonderful rebuke to the 1619 Project. I want to get into that. But let me start this way, if I might. 
The Democrat mm-hmm. Party hates America. Mark, you do a great job, a wonderful job of tracing the lineage of the Democratic Party and its antagonism towards the Declaration of Independence, the founding, founding concerns and elements. But has it changed in certain forms in the last 50 years in a sense? I was thinking about this the other day. You know, you thought about what the left of the left of the Democratic Party was in the early 70s. It was George McGovern. And he was a war hero who at least made the statements about loving this country and the patriotism that ran deeply through him. That's not the kind of talk you get anymore from the Democratic Party. Has it changed at those levels, do you think, a little bit? Yeah, it's a great question, Seth. And you can always find a Democrat here and there, even a couple more, uh, who are of the old liberal school. But that's really not the character of the Democrat Party. Mm -hmm. The character of the Democrat Party is a party that has never embraced Americanism. It's never embraced our founding fathers. It's never embraced our Constitution. You know, the early so-called progressives, who were really the early American Marxists, included Woodrow Wilson. He rejected the Declaration of Independence altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, all the way up to today, where you have Obama, who would cite the Declaration and cut out key words. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so when Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden and the Obamas and Hillary, and they all talk about fundamental transformation, I think we've got to take them at their word. I think when they keep talking about equity, one of the favorite words, of the communist movement over the last over 100 years, uh, and it's a lie, of course, when they keep using it, issue executive orders to institute it government-wide, I think we've got to pay attention to that. When they have borders wide open, which is creating horrendous inhumanity and havoc on both sides of the border, uh, for the purpose of flipping Texas so that they can never lose another electoral college election. I think we should pay attention to these things. Mm-hmm. When they're brainwashing our children, same thing. So to answer your question, the years of um, George McGovern as a radical leftist, mm-hmm. but there were also the years of um, the segregationists and racists yep. in the South, in yep. Mississippi, yep. who Joe Biden embraced. Yep. Uh, so it is a party that was transitioning then. And what is it transitioned from and to? It's transitioned from a an anti-black racist, uh, anti-Semitic party uh, to an anti-white racist, anti-Semitic and anti-Asian party. Mm-hmm. And why has it done that? Because most of the objectives of the civil rights movement, the original civil rights movement, have been met. Mm-hmm. And so they've now moved from a... What, what, civil rights movement to what I call civil rights Marxism. Now, everything is determined based on the redistribution of wealth, based on what ethnicity owns what, based on all these these uh, these Marxist ideologies and so forth and so on. The idea that equity, equity is, 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 is an impossibility, and we want it to be an impossibility because that would destroy freedom. Mm-hmm. Pol Pot couldn't even achieve equity despite slaughtering 25% of his population. Mm-hmm. So I get into the similarities between the Democrat Party and autocratic parties that have been in existence before and all over the world today. And so you will never hear Democrats talk about individualism. They talk about groupism. You'll never hear them talk about freedom or liberty, ever. You'll never hear them uh, praise the entrepreneurs and capitalism. What they keep doing is attacking the system, uh, attacking those who are successful. Uh, attacking those who defend the system. And in order to do that, they also need to have a a system built up within the country, which they support, which censors country voices, country views, 
whether it's vaccines or whether it's a laptop or whether it's politics or whatever it is. So whatever you look at in this country, your audience, my audience, people all over, they're looking at this and they're saying, our country is falling apart. Yeah. The culture, the yeah. politics, the border, the economic system. Well, Mother Nature isn't doing all this. That's right. This is by man. Well, which men? The men and women who are leading the Democrat Party. That's who are doing these things. And until we recognize who it is exactly who's doing this, then we can't really engage them, expose them, tell our family and friends and neighbors what and who is behind all this. Let me pick up on that with you in just a second. Mark Levin is our guest. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Mark R. Levin. Mark Levin is our guest. His brand new book, The Democrat Party Hates America, just out. It's uh, it's a tremendous book, folks. I can't say enough about it. And I can't say enough about Mark. Uh, no one you'd rather have in a foxhole with you than Mark Levin. His loyalty combined with a hatred of bullies is uh, just uh, it's remarkable. I've admired Thank it you. since I've Mark. I've admired you as a, as as that person for a very long time. Bully. Let's stick. Let's let's talk about loyalty and bullies for a moment when yeah. it comes to the Democrat Party, because it does seem there's a bullying going on here. Uh, you were giving voice in the previous segment. You were speaking about all the institutions the Democrat Party seems to attack, doesn't seem, does attack, whether it's our sovereignty and our borders, whether it's our laws, whether it's our constitutional norms, whether it's notions from the Declaration of Independence, you name it. This race thing, this race thing is interesting, and this anti-Semitism thing is interesting, why I like your Chapter 3 so very, very much. How would you explain the uh, the Democrat Party today with its... I, I, I used to not want to call it Marxist. I can't avoid it anymore. But I also think when I look at their race policies and whether it's DEI or race-based affirmative action, I also think that it would be fair to say they're embracing notions a lot of us thought were buried and long ago put away at Nuremberg. I almost think they're Marxists wedded to certain Nazi ideologies. Mark, is that going too far? No, and it's very interesting because I explain in the book on eugenics mm-hmm. – uh, that the so-called progressive area and the progressives not only embraced eugenics, they promoted it. Now, why? They promoted it for two reasons. You cannot have this perfect, engineered, rejiggered society and human being uh, without supporting, back then, eugenics. Mm-hmm. How can you have a perfect society with all these imperfect people around you? Mm-hmm. And they would call them idiots and imbeciles and, of course, blacks mm-hmm. and other minorities. Mm-hmm. And so uh, eugenics was very, very popular in America back then, largely due to this movement, this progressive, or what I call the early Marxist movement in America. And as a matter of fact, one of the lawyers who wrote an entire book on this, uh, making the case for eugenics and why, um, Adolf Hitler read it while he was in prison. That's right. And he even mentions that book mm-hmm. by an American lawyer mm-hmm. in Mein Kampf. Mm-hmm. And when he takes over Germany and he's running the, the Nazi party, it is the first book that's translated and printed since the third, when, when the Third Reich took over by Hitler. Mm-hmm. And so eugenics really was not born in Hitler's mind. He certainly embraced it and pushed it and executed it. It was born into the minds of the progressive so-called left in this country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is really, should really shock people. Mm-hmm. 
And furthermore, it was something promoted by Margaret Sanger. You know, they saw that she was great birth control. She didn't support birth control to control birth widely. She supported birth control really to limit the amount of imbeciles, idiots, and blacks Mm -hmm. who would be born into the country. Because here we are trying to make this perfect society. We have all these imperfect human beings by breeding or by or by whatever. It didn't really quite matter. Mm -hmm. So it was embraced extremely uh, across the board uh, by by the Democrat Party and so forth, and uh, particularly by Woodrow Wilson. So I explain that in the book. And then you you look at their position on abortion today, their obsession with abortion, like they were obsessed with. Eugenics. It's so almost a religion, isn't it? It's a weird theology. It, it, yeah. It is almost a mental issue. Yeah, yeah. And when you call them out on abortion on demand, and so they deny ever having said these things, but the record's full of it. Yeah. Uh, their votes are full of it. But here's what we know. We know that the most important demographic to the Democrat Party is not the black community, the Jewish community. It's not. It's young women who do not have children and are single. That is the largest and most reliable voting block of the Democrat Party, as I demonstrate in the book. They are wholly supportive of abortion, almost right up to the end. And so the Democrat Party, you got to look at it through the lens of power. Mm -hmm. The bottom line on this power issue is, because I know we don't have a lot of time, is the Democrat Party is taking steps now, like any autocratic party, replace allegiance to your country, to your history, to your values, your belief system, to allegiance to itself. Mm -hmm. You look at Xi, Xi is the chairman, the head of the Communist Party. The Communist Party is the country, and there are not to be any effective opponents to it. You look throughout the world at these genocidal regimes, that's what they are. The Democrat Party wants allegiance to the Democrat Party. And unlike the Republican Party, which does not seek that, and in many ways is an inept and an anemic party, (laughs) the Democrat Party knows what it wants. And it wants, if it can get it through the voting booth, it'll take it. It's created this massive fourth branch of government. It's permanent government. It'll take it through lifetime-appointed activist judges. It'll take it by an open border to change the citizenship. Whatever it takes, it's the benefit of the Democrat Party and the hell with the people. Mark, you're a um, you're a great historian, great political thinker, and obviously a great lawyer. Which is when I first met you when you were practicing law. Mark, do you uh, and running a think tank? Do you are are you optimistic? Are you optimistic for this country? I hope that's not unfair. You know, I do get this question, and it is a very fair question. And my mind doesn't work that way. Yeah. The way my mind works is fight like hell. Yeah. Optimistic, pessimistic, it doesn't matter. Don't, you know, crawl into the corner in a fetal position uh, and say all is lost, although I feel like we're getting there, or be a, uh, or, or persuade yourself, Pollyanna, yeah. oh, we're the American people, we always break out of this. Right. Uh, neither of those are necessarily true. Mm-hmm. But what is true when people call my show and they say, we need to do X, Y, Z, I say, no, we don't. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we means nothing. Yeah. So honestly, is putting ideas out there, defensible, provable ideas, the way many did with pamphlets, the founding of this nation, because these ideas can change a nation. And the more people learn about the Democrat 
party. And it's inhumanity and the blood lust that it's had throughout its existence and how it seeks to destroy your lifestyle and impoverish your family and come between you and your children, whether it's in a schoolroom or somewhere else, the more people realize what a hideous, evil, poisonous institution this is that does not embrace the United States of America, I think the more we have a fighting chance. Good good for you, Mark. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for this book, The Democrat Party Hates America. The Talmud says where there are no men, be a man. You are a man in that sense as well as the Rudyard Kipling sense, sir. It's an honor to have you. It's an honor to call you a friend, and it's an honor to have this book. I want to commend it once again. The Democrat Party Hates America. Folks, the amount of learning and wisdom in here cannot be overstated. Godspeed to you, Mark. Seth, I hope we can see each other again sooner than later. <laughs> we'll God have to create America. a crisis or something yeah. to do it. Or we'll, or we'll meet in Kansas City and have a steak or something. God love All you, right, sir. Brother. Be good. God bless you. You too. Bye. Well, that's a heck of a way to end the day with Mark Levin. Thank you, folks, uh, for uh, joining us today. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. Y-Refi has an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio that f- that uh, offers delivers a high fixed interest rate, 10.25% fixed rate of interest. That's right, a 10.25% rate of return, fixed rate of return. And if you are concerned about the volatility of the stock market, inflation, this is an investment in a portfolio that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. You can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it. And there's no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. No penalty. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio. Check Y-Refi out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or call 888-Y-REFI-34, 888-Y-REFI-34. You know, that's a heck of an answer, Mark Gavin. I didn't see it coming, and it's one I'm going to adapt because I have not been able to answer that question about optimism or pessimism. I kind of have been doing on the one hand and on the other. Here are the things to be pessimistic about. Here are the things to be optimistic about. And perhaps it's uh, too much too much intellectualization of the question. I think Mark has it right. Uh, Regardless, since no man knows what tomorrow is, regardless, the point is to go and fight. The point is to go down fighting or go up fighting. We're not going to succeed without fighting. And if we do go down, if destruction be our lot, as Abraham Lincoln put it, we will be our We will be its authors and finishers. There's many ways to be an author and finisher of our own destruction, and one of them is indolence, doing nothing. One of them is uh, an overwhelming pessimism where you feel you can't do anything. And one of them is uh, sitting back and just enjoying the ride while you can without doing anything and kind of being blithe or cavalier about it all. But If destruction be our lot, because too much of the nation is lost through too many cultural institutions, wouldn't it be rather said about you that you went down fighting? Of course it would. And you know that's the proposition. If we're going to succeed, it's going to take energy. Energy is all. Uh, The mode in which the inevitable comes to pass is effort, Oliver Wendell Holmes, John Oliver Wendell, Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes said. The mode in which the inevitable comes to pass is effort. And if the inevitable is not for us to succeed, wouldn't you rather it be said, you went down fighting? That's 
a great series of thoughts by Mark, and that is how I'm going to adopt it now. Don't think about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Although, until tomorrow, I will tell you, thank you for being with us this afternoon on behalf of David Dahl and myself. God bless you all, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.